Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we are doing one of my favorite things, talking about comics. What? Thank you, Dylan Diggs, for your patronage over on Patreon. That's right. We're going to be talking about a commissioned episode where we talk about phase four comics that we should talk about. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. How you doing, Jeff Randall? I am isolated, sir. How are you? I'm so isolated. So very, uh, very isolated. It's rough. <laughs> it's kind of rough. Uh, but you know what? We have lots of escapism to talk about today. Yeah, uh, we do. Dylan Diggs, uh, one of our patrons over at patreon.com slash MCUcast, commissioned an episode. The silver lining to this dark cloud of lack of content that we've had lately uh, is that we're getting to a lot of the commissioned episodes that have that we've had in our queue for a while. And this is one of those. Yeah, Dylan uh, sent us a message saying, I was thinking about this, you know, with us all being cooped up for the foreseeable future and comic book stores in dire situations right now, I was wondering what are some good comic book stories or runs that we might want to brush up on in preparation for phase four or beyond. I know that we're the cinematic universe and I'm like 20 years behind on comics, but I'm looking to brush up myself. I just read Infinity War and Secret Invasion. Very cool. Well, I think this is a great idea, and we, people often ask us to cover more some comic content, and we're happy to do so um, from he, here and there. We came up with a few comic stories, and we tried to stick to pretty recent stuff that we think is pretty likely to be representative of what these particular movies and shows might be about. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, we're going to talk some comics. You want to, you want to throw out your first comic series that people might want to check out? Yeah, man. Uh, so we, we tried not only to focus on, uh, more recent kind of current things, but we, we tried to do a, a big focus on the upcoming films and yeah. the, uh, the major, upcoming thing that I'm really excited about is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm -hmm. And the comic uh, line that I think really uh, could do well uh, be, being representative of that is the Across the Universe uh, tale. Uh, this is Doctor Strange 2018 numbers 1 through 6 uh, is in Across the Universe. And my God, sir. So the the basic premise of Across the Universe, this this little contained story, is in the first issue, Doctor Strange is losing or lost his powers. Uh, all of his connection to mysticism is gone away. And if you remember at the end of uh, the first Doctor Strange movie in the in the Stinger, Baron Mordo found a way to take away magic from that guy. I cannot remember his name. Right, who the, was playing basketball? Yeah. Too many sorcerers. So, mm -hmm. very, very probable that that could happen. And what he ends up doing after losing his powers, he turns to Tony uh, and says, "You know, what do you, what do you know? Uh, how can you help me? You've dragged yourself up from the bottom several other times. You know, give me some advice." And Tony's like, "Go, you know, out in the universe and." So he goes into space seeking other, uh, you know, mystical things across the universe. Yeah, and in, 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 the, in the description I read, he's specifically looking for some power to replace his Ayavagamato, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not just his eye of Agamotto. He's just trying to get his get some magic back. Right. So he's he's seeking out a whole, you know, seeking out all the mystical things, and uh, one of the major things that is uh, a real uh, pointing thing for me is in number three. He he runs into Skrulls who have the Time Stone, and he thought that the Time Stone had been destroyed in the comics. So I'm seeing a lot of a lot of weaving lines that could uh, could pick up some some loose threads that we've got that are already in the MCU. There. Yeah, that, that's the thing that made me like. Well, for one thing, it also mentioned in the synopsis that I read. So we we kind of read a bunch of synopsis as then assign these synopsis. to each other. Synopsis, uh, and then assign <laughs> these to each other. So I read the synopsis. You kind of looked more into it and read a couple issues. Hey, I had to stop myself because I was just going to go forever. Yeah, you're going to finish it off. Um, yeah. So the, the thing that uh, interested me most is that apparently Wanda Maximoff shows up in this book uh three three comics and she hasn't yet but i really don't miss her so far right right right. i just heard i just read that in the synopsis which i think is interesting given that she's supposed to be in multiverse of madness yeah yeah apparently her wandavision series feeds into that yeah and also apparently he's looking for something to replace the eye of agamotto uh which in our current mcu timeline he also lost so those two are things that like I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe it's, yeah, obviously it's, it's more than just the Agavagamato we lost, but it just sounds like this particular book might be something that they could draw a lot of inspiration on from. And it's from 2018. And we know that Marvel tends to do that. They tend to like update a character right before they introduce them on the screen and give us like a, a sort of, this is who they are now so that the comic version and the movie version can be pretty similar. And so, yeah, I think, I think this, this could be a really good book to read. Dr. Strange, and the, uh, it's called Dr. Strange across the universe, the 2018 issues one through six uh, of Dr. Strange. I think you're right. I think that's going to be a really cool one. Yeah. By the way, uh, we didn't even mention it up top, but we're going to, we're going to try to do something. We've never done this before. We're going to do some special Patreon episodes of the podcasts. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about these six different books today and we're going to put them up as a poll on our Patreon and our patrons can vote. And whichever one of these you guys pick, we are going to read and do an episode or two about these. About the whole run. Yeah. We never really wanted to do to the whole story arc (laughs) yeah 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 not the whole not not all hundreds of issues but (laughs) we're going to talk about every jason aaron thor novel (laughs) yeah Uh, well we've 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 never really wanted to do too many patron specific episodes because it always felt like move it we didn't want to move any mcu content like it's not like we're going to go do black widow just for our patrons like uh we it, it would be sort of a betrayal of what we do here which is try to cover everything but since we don't since we specifically don't cover comics, really, <laughs> like it's kind of a good opportunity for us to do something for our patrons. So we're going to let the patrons pick. So if you're a patron out there, be listening to these six options because uh, then you can go over to Patreon and vote. It's going to be cool. Um, my first one that I checked out uh, was Neil Gaiman's um, run on the Eternals. Oh, man. I hear that that one is the best. Yeah, it's I just like read one book, um, but uh, to to get a get a taste of it, 
Um, this is from 2006. And basically this was Marvel apparently came to Neil Gaiman and said, Hey, we want you to make the Eternals relevant again in today's world. This was during civil war. So there's like weird civil war references throughout, but, um, comic civil war. Yeah. Yeah. Comic book civil war, not, not movie civil war. Yeah. Cause this was 2006. I think you already said it was 2006. Yeah. 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 So there's a seven issue run. Uh, the main thing that attracted me, to this was first off, it's exactly what we talked about with Dr. Strange. It's like, seems like a really good representation of what they might do with the movie. Uh, but also it's, uh, Neil Gaiman, who yeah. is just a great storyteller. Um, so I was I was all on board for this one being one of the ones we presented today. Um, the Eternals is basically the story of um, a race of humanoids who have lived on the Earth and I guess have been sort of like the same. It's this group of group of Eternals who have lived on the Earth for a long time, but in this particular story, they have lost their memories... By some 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 evil force has caused them to lose their memories, and they are living as normal humans. And the story, the inciting incident of the story, is they're all starting to have memories of this past, the past where they were like these, you know, godlike beings who were kind of children of the celestials. Which uh, we know this this is something Marvel's doing. They're introducing these celestials and these Eternals in the Eternals movie, and um, yeah. I think this is very likely how they'll do it uh, because it would make sense why these characters could exist in our current day Marvel universe, but we've never met them because they've been, uh, you know, not remembering who they are. They don't even know they have powers. They don't know anything about their history and they've just been living lives. Uh, like it's kind of silly. They have a character named Ike Harris, who is the eternal Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love how on the nose a lot of comics writers tend to be. Yeah. Of the three comics I covered, one of them seems super adult. One of them seems kind of super for kids. And one of them was right in the middle. And I feel like this uh, Eternals is pretty right in the middle. Like it has still sort of silly comic book tropes like that. But it also seems like it's trying to really do some world building um, and try to give us some background on the Marvel universe. And you really get a sense for like, not, not just where um, the Eternals come from, but also uh, where humans come from kind of like they give, they give just like where, where does the Marvel universe come from? Apparently they even tie in the, um, in, in one thing I was reading, they even tie in the origin of mutants to all of this, you know? Oh my God. I was just thinking that, yeah, that it would be really easy for them in the movie to, you know, these guys lost their memories they're They've lived forever, whatever. Um, and then throughout time they've, you know, they've, uh, we'll say quote unquote mated with humans and that mutates the the gene pool a little bit at a time and very easily you could have the x-men come out of that yeah that is apparently not exactly it but like it, it's something like that it, apparently there's these different celestials who have a hand in the creation of the earth the people the beings that live on earth and uh, each one of them is responsible. One is responsible for creating the humans. One is responsible for creating the Eternals, which I guess I think the Eternals are like evolved versions of the humans or something like that. And the um, there's a different, there's an evil force, and I forget the name of them. They're like something. <laughs> I want to say Decepticons, but it's not. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's something like that. That's something just as on the nose that they're like sort of the evil version, the monsters. Uh, but but apparently one of the Celestials put a latent gene inside of the humans that will eventually be awoken. And that's, uh, apparently the X-Men. So, or the, the mutants. 
the X gene. Yeah, the X gene is 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 uh in is put in by a celestial and that that's all related to this one story of the eternals and uh, yeah so it's just really deep background on not just earth but the entire marvel universe and where it comes from but it, it also seems very likely to be the exact kind of story they would tell because it's telling the story of the history while relating it to something in current day of of, of a man learning that he's a part of this and he's a, being kind of awoken and that that would be a interesting uh, way to bring them into the current MCU timeline. Yeah, it would. I like that a lot. Oh man. You know what? Regardless of, of what gets voted on, I'm going to read all of these. I, you know, I might too. I might do that too. <laughs> you um, got some extra time. I, I you know, we'll see. <laughs> I keep filling it up with music and podcasting and which I'm, I'm loving, but, uh, and also trying to figure out how to one day make money again. Um, <laughs> 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 but uh yeah so someday someday uh okay let's uh what, what's your next one my second one is um house of m you know i've talked a lot about house of m in relation to uh to wandavision the internet has talked a lot about house of m this is the 2005 house of m not the weird more recent one um and house of m was an eight issue series that you know had a lot of tie-ins uh, it was a big event, but the 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 crux of it um, was Wanda Maximov wanted to give everyone everything that they wanted, kind of all at the same time. She was she was breaking down mentally. Uh, she had accidentally killed several Avengers, uh, including Hawkeye and Vision, and Professor X and Magneto were kind of like working together to keep her. Uh, sort of sedated but also like not breaking reality uh, because she was kind of with her chaos magic was accidentally you know remaking the world and like giving birth to to twins and like oh look my children and and charles is like put it back put the world back and she's like but my kids and he's like never existed so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of crazy wonky like is this real is this uh, is this is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Oh, interesting. You know, Connor a landslide, mm-hmm. no escape from reality oh. that Wanda has created. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so there's there's a lot of that, and you know, in the in the um, in the Disney Plus uh, upcoming stuff, when we saw a bunch of WandaVision uh, promo things and and footage. I, footage in quotes, you know, we were so surprised that Vision was there and that there was a bunch of different sitcom, uh, not necessarily plots, but themes. Mm-hmm. Sort of and screensavers, yeah. sort of backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, 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 like filters. You know, she put a... Uh, she put Insta filters all over the... Um, yeah, she put Insta filters on reality yeah. for herself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it so, definitely seems like she's doing stuff similar to what she can do in House of M. And one of the main things I'm excited about with the WandaVision in general is that we might just get explanation of her powers a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we get to flesh out how powerful she is. Yeah, we've been saying for years how we don't know anything about her powers, and I, I really would like to see them explore that more. And House of M definitely seems like shows the broad scope of her powers and definitely has some tie-ins like the fact that she has the children that she wants to maintain that's that was clearly shown in the trailer these children so i don't know if that's just a nod to the comics or if that's this is directly where they're going 
Yeah. There's also a, a strong chance uh, that there's ties to the, the recent Vision uh, comic book. I think that one was 2015 because he had kind of a, like he had a family of four. They were all uh, uh, synthesoids just like him. They all looked like Vision, uh, but it was a robot family and um, was a bit sitcomish. So there's there's a chance it could also have inspiration from that, but the primary focus for uh, for this episode was House of M. Okay, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, I'm I'm really interested to check that out. And apparently, it's just an eight issue uh, series in 2005. I think it it crossed over with lots of other things because it was a big event. But it um yeah, but yeah, there is an eight issue run that we're gonna specifically talking about uh, called House of M. So yeah. Definitely want to check that out. Um, the next uh, that I want to mention is Moon Knight. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is 20, the 2014 uh, reissue, re rerun of Moon Knight or whatever, where they issues one through six. And uh, this one was interesting. This is the one I was mentioning that seemed really adult to me. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's a much more psychological drama. It is about this man Mark Spector <laughs> well, who it's Moon Knight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, which I, you know, I, I've never read any Moon Knight, so this was the first um, time I'm reading a Moon Knight oh, comic. Man. You're gonna love it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot, and this is different than these other ones we're mentioning because it's actually not an overarching story. Each Moon Knight um, issue in this run is a single story that uh, it all it all builds the Mark Spector character, but because he has uh, so many such a fractured character, like each of the stories, he's like he appears as different versions of himself. Uh, and each one, he just, uh, there's a, some sort of baddie that he has to take out and he like enters the story, takes them out and it's just over. Like it's very, um, it's very singular and shows a single story in each thing, which I thought was interesting. Um, but it also is trying to build the concept of Mark Spector and his like worship of this, um, gosh, I forget the name of the God that he worships. Um, Khonshu. Khonshu. Thank you. Yeah. He, he worships, uh, worships this Egyptian God or well, he is the tool of this Egyptian God because apparently the avatar. Yeah. Mark Spector died and was brought back to life by this, uh, spec, this, um, Khonshu or was he, that's, that's really the question is, um, all of his servitude to Khonshu could be, uh, that he was brought back to life and that he is the servant of Khonshu, or it could be that he's just a crazy person. Um, and, <laughs> and that's the whole thing that they play with here. And, uh, and it's, it's, a, the, the, apparently there's a lot of themes about like religion and just in general, like what it means to serve, uh, serve a God and to want what's want to do what that God says, even no matter what kind of thing. And like, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of themes about like, like in, in our world, most of the gods that we see people worshiping are benevolent, but like the Kanchu is not necessarily benevolent. There are times when he like forces Mark Spector to go through pain and anguish. And, uh, it, it just, and it's, it's kind of questioning the whole idea of his servitude to this God. And if he, does he really have a choice and is he, uh, is he just insane to be doing what he's doing? Is, is Kanchu real? Like it's, it's all very, uh, trippy sounding and interesting. And, and also, you know, 
very real in the sense of if if he's just a crazy person uh, worshiping this uh, being that is, doesn't exist, then it's just a very real story, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, a, a real um, gritty deep dive into mental health and yeah. um, the Moon Knight has always been one of those where um, it's really interesting to kind of look at the world through his lens because his fractured personality kind of makes you think, um, you know, it's not necessarily the person that you think it is on the surface who's dealing with anything at any given time. And it could be anybody, uh, but it's also like what, what state is anybody in, you know, mm-hmm. like what state is anybody in at any given time? And, you know, the, the whole, it being in servitude to a God, how much agency does he have in that? How much of it, like, do his multiple personalities all know about Kanshu? Like, it's all really, really fascinating what they've done with Moon Knight. Yeah, man. So I, I've, like I said, only read one issue of these and I, I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to extrapolate some of the things that I read about the synopsis and such, but yeah, I'm, I'm it definitely, it definitely interesting and it makes me really excited for the show more than anything. It just made me really excited for the show because I think all of that sounds fascinating to have like a Netflix style, you know, yeah. adult, adult drama about Moon Knight would be amazing. Yeah, he's uh, he's basically Marvel's version of Batman, you know, which I love because it's kind of insulting Batman. It's like, is he just a rich guy that's really benevolent, or is he an insane person? <laughs> right? He does he also belong in Arkham? Yeah, I think he probably does. <laughs> uh, what's your What's your last one, my friend? My third one is uh, another, or is also a standalone story. Um, it is in relation to Thor Love and Thunder. As you guys, as everybody knows, Thor is my, you know, my go-to, my favorite. Um, but in this one, uh, the 2014 Thor, uh, when they were doing their all-new, all-different line, uh, it's called Thunder in Her Veins. Uh, it collects issues number one through five. It's where uh, Jane Foster had picked up Mjolnir and took on the mantle of Thor. And the big thing with this... Uh, this particular comic is that Thor is not around. Uh, sorry, the Odin son is not around. He's, he's unworthy. He can't lift Mjolnir. Um, and he's largely been depowered or not depowered, but his power has been reduced a lot. So he no longer has Mjolnir. Um, Odin has been gone for a while and the presence of Asgardians on on Midgard is pretty much non-existent. So a lot of the other realms see that and you have like Jotuns that are invading Midgard uh, at the, under the leadership of Malekith the Accursed, who unfortunately was in Thor 2 mm-hmm. under a crap ton of makeup. Yes, Malekith. <laughs> Everyone's favorite MCU villain. Yeah, ab- absolutely. <laughs> uh, but that's, you know, that's how it starts, is that Thor's not around, I'm sorry, Odinson's not around, and uh, the, the bad people are like, hey, with this guy not around, I think this is a good time to move into Midgard. Let's move in. 
And he still, you know, he shows up and tries, but he ends up getting his arm cut off. Um, and Malekith is like, that's the last we'll see of Thor. And right then, uh, Jane Foster picks up the hammer and says, there must always be a Thor. Takes on the mantle. So, it's it's her picking up where he left off as far as a hero. It's really cool in that, you know, we get a human's take on what it is to be a hero what it is to be that hero, what it is to be a god, the god of thunder specifically, um, and what what it is to be worthy of, of Mjolnir, um, and what truly makes someone worthy. Mm. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of sexism involved, you know, Odin's, a, he's a stuffy old codger that's, you know, like, I have to be in charge, not some woman coddling the boy, uh, being a dick, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, there's a lot of empowerment in it, but then there's also, you know, all the question of of what worth worthiness actually is. Yeah. All the while, Jane is actually also fighting cancer. Oh, interesting. That yeah. adds a whole twist to the whole thing. And turning into the god of the goddess of thunder uh, is worsening her cancer. So mm. she's having to uh, kind of wrestle with: is this, you know? I, I need to do this because Thor needs to be there and I absolutely have to be the hero, but it's also killing me. Do, you know, which, which time is going to be the one that does it? Yeah. Hmm. Cool. Well, my last one here brings us to the last one of today, uh, is all new Captain America. No, issues one through six, and this is where Falcon takes up the mantle. Yeah, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, man. Yeah, this is very much, I read the, like I said, I read the first book, and it is very much Falcon and Winter Soldier. It is literally Falcon and Winter Soldier shows up halfway through. Um, And one of my favorite parts of what I've read so far is Cap is still around, which it's literally Cap is in a fishing boat uh, talking to uh, Falcon through, through an earpiece or whatever. Uh, and and answer and say and encouraging him or ask him a question or something. It's, it's it was like oh yeah that would be so awesome. <laughs> I was like I hope they use at least that part for inspiration and we get a little bit of Chris Evans in this uh, in this show. But um what um what I was not too impressed with is it is definitely the most childish comic of the ones probably all of the ones we've talked about today. Oh yeah, it feels I mean Hydra feels like you know there's a lot of little fun nods to to like you meet bob the hydra agent at one point which i know is like a run running <laughs> gag in the marvel universe there's stuff for you in there if you're an adult and if you're a marvel fan but like a lot of it felt very uh comic booky supreme like he's like diving into a volcano to like attack a hydra base or something like it feels really i don't know so just just like something I would write as a child, like it really did feel very childish. But um, they do try to give a characterization to the character of Sam Wilson. Um, they start out by talking about his father being a preacher and his father and mother dying of violence in their neighborhood, um, and so that gave me a lot of hope because I thought I thought I was like this is going to ask questions about like what it means to be an American. 
and being black and Captain America, like, what does that mean? What What is our extra responsibilities? What perspective does it bring to the character? I, I thought that could be really interesting. And then there was one line in the comic that completely felt like it um, undermined all of that. Oh, good. There's a line where he he's a he's beating up whatever Hydra villain he's beating up. The the the, the villain is actually like directly making fun of America, which is another thing that felt like kind of childish and kind of sixties. Honestly, like the the guy's like, "You Americans, you love your cheeseburgers," and I don't know. It it, it was real strange. It's really um. Like literally talking to Captain America instead of being like, you are the character that is trying to defeat us and we are evil and you want freedom and we want control. It was like, you're American and you love cheeseburgers and I'm a foreigner and I'm better than you. It was real weird. Uh, It felt very much of a different time. Uh, But then he says, oh, well, there's one thing you'll love about America. We've got the best prison system. Ooh, And it felt fray. For a black man who they just were talking about, like, Oof. neighborhood violence and, like, it seemed like it was going to be a pretty woke take and, like, try to touch on a, this character's different experience as Captain America and where he comes from and to, to like, compliment our prison system felt really out of place for the book. Yeah, really out of place for everything. <laughs> yeah. So uh. that was a little weird. And then it just started to feel like, oh, weird. They're, like saying he comes from a violent inner city place. And instead of being like the system that brought him here, let's ask questions about it. It's just like, also the prison system is great. It's like, Ooh, <laughs> Ooh, this, this feels less uh, woke than I thought it would. Um, but that's neither here nor there. It just felt mostly like a kid's comic with, um, but but uh, but it does you know has old man cap in it. It's got Bucky there who is a little disgruntled that he doesn't have the shield. Um, it has him constantly talking about how useful the shield is because <laughs> he's Captain America really in name only. He's he's Captain America in name and shield only. <laughs> right, <laughs> like everything else, he's still just Falcon. He doesn't have any super. He doesn't have the super serum, so he's just like flying around in his Falcon suit. The one thing that's different is he has the cap shield. And, yeah. uh, and he just, so he keeps talking about how great it is to have the cap shield, which I thought was funny that he mentions that multiple times. So that is a uh, cap captain, the all new captain America, which yeah, it's not bad, but it, it, it was not my favorite of the three that I checked out. Yeah. Uh, it just isn't as adult, which I feel like of the series Falcon and winter soldier is going to be one of the most adult. You know what I mean? Maybe moon Knight will probably be more so. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, Moon Knight's going to be on Disney Plus, and I don't know if you if you heard recently, but there's a uh, there was a really silly uh, editing of the movie Splash, where they put hair over the main girl's butt, but it was like really poorly done. And oh, so it could be on Disney Plus. Yeah, it was it was Ooh. in order to put it on Disney Plus while also not showing a butt. Which is kind of, and you know, if you go back and look at the original, there wasn't that much, like, actually showing. So, there was no need to just weirdly clone brush a uh, a bit of hair over the butt that looked really, really bad. So, I don't know. Um, it's it's interesting that they're putting Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. How, how dark are they going to go when Disney is already, like, hairbrushing over butts? 
Yeah. That disappoints me and worries me for honestly, not Moon Knight for sure. And I'm, I'm you, you made me Google splash butt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and oh, yeah, it looks like really bad CGI. Oh, it's not, you're, you're right though. It's not even that much of her body is shown. Yep. She, she basically, her hair is forming a bikini over her. Her butt is not even showing and they drew in a bunch of extra hair that looks awful. Okay. Yeah. That, that, that worries me not just for this and not just for Moon Knight, but it really worries me for things like the existence of the Netflix universe. Like, yeah, I, we already know that we're probably not going to get that defend. We're not probably, we're not going to get the defenders in the same form again. But I'm worried we'll never get anything like the defenders again. Yeah, and we're gonna have to rely on some other. Uh, superhero show and that will make the mcu less rich if we don't have that darker adult section uh because this thing like just like i'm talking about with these three comics that i talked about each one of them is written at a different level for a different kind of reader and for a different level of life experience and um i want there to be able to be that in the mcu just like there is in the comics hmm that is disappointing isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you know that there's if they if they continue down this path, and we get some other version of the defenders, there we're probably going to be leading the charge on the hashtag not my defenders. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> I mean, I don't need it to have a bunch of sex and violence in it to be like my defenders. That's not what I love. I love the characterization. Um, but I don't know. Just don't be afraid to go dark. Yeah. If the character is going to a dark place, explore that. Yeah. I guess I kind of do need some sex and violence. (laughs) If I'm being real, if I'm being real, you know, there's a certain part of the psyche and part of the character that's explored by the temptation of sexuality and what the visceral nature of that and the, um, visceral nature of violence and the fear that it strikes in your you know soul and the way it makes you actually fear the villain as opposed to sort of cartoony violence like i don't fear any mcu movie villain the way i fear fisk or, yeah. or killmonger so yeah i really hope that they they need to just figure out their stuff over there at disney and say like okay you need to sign up for disney plus but you also need to give us you know your age so that you can watch us watch a certain amount of content and you know have some rated r stuff on there but have it be accessible to only people that have you know signed up as an, with an adult membership yeah somehow put parental controls in place yeah i mean netflix has a, a thing where you have to put in a passcode almost like a a, a pin yeah like a four-digit passcode for anything that's over you know whatever your threshold is uh, when you enact the parental controls, and I've been using that. Like, I have to put that in for every single episode of Altered Carbon. Not every single episode. Every time I watch Altered Carbon, is uh, I have to put in this code. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, I think they could absolutely do something like that. And I know they're Disney, and I know they want to maintain their clean reputation, but screw it, man. You're going to really lose some people. We're here for the Marvel, but if the Marvel doesn't keep the quality up, we're not going to be here for you. I mean, let's be realistic. If you're doing Moon Knight, if if you are exploring 
the fractured personality of a broken man who came back to life, maybe, <laughs> and and runs around like killing all sorts of bad guys of every variety. Like you really need to, you really need to take the the training wheels off and let somebody really explore. You know, go down that dark path. Moon Knight is in the dark all the time, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was one thing I found interesting. Apparently, they always express Moon Knight as purely white or dark, or white or black. Like they yeah. never put color on the character of Mark Spector, I guess. So all the rest of the comic book is rendered in color, though. So he like stands weirdly starkly against everything because he's like a just a black and white character being expressed in a color world that seems really interesting and i wonder if they'll do anything with that visually for the show um by trying to desaturate him or something mm, that would be really cool yeah absolutely it's, it's you know it worked really well in um spider-man into the spider-verse it worked really well for sin city uh it worked really well for the spirit yeah i love the spirit by the way I know it's like, that's a controversial opinion. It's another one of those, like, everyone hates that movie. I just think that people were expecting something they weren't getting, but like, man, that movie's good. <laughs> oh, it's so silly. It's like, it's like cartoon Roger Rabbit levels of like silliness, but it's also violent and funny. And yeah, I like the spirit. It's good. Yeah. They were not afraid to cheese it in that one. No, it was fully cheesy, but that's what they're just embracing the fun. I thought. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think it's coming on the heels of Sin City, which was so gritty and, you know, adult that I think people were like, this is not what I wanted. This is not, this style is not meant for the silliness. Um, and I <laughs> thought it was awesome. Black uh, and white with splashes of color is too serious for this. And I'm pretty wasn't it Scarlett Johansson and Samuel Jackson in that? In Sin City? No, the spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were the bad guys. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they were great. I was thinking Jessica Alba in um, Sin City. Sorry. I, I bet you were. Yeah, I was. <laughs> um, okay. That is all for this episode, guys. Uh, so we are going to be covering uh, one of these comic books, and then we might do more than that after that, depending on how it goes and depending on the feedback we get from our patrons. But over at patreon.com slash MCUcast, we're going to do it the first time ever, uh, probably next week or the week after, we're going to cover one of these comic books. So you guys let us know which one you want to hear. So this is for the patrons. Uh, go, And uh, if you're not a patron, you can be one. It's as little as a dollar, you know? It's, it would be awesome. Um if you've been thinking about uh, supporting the show, it's a great time to do it. We've had a lot of you guys do that uh, over the last few weeks, and it is honestly, it's making it, uh, it's really helping out in this hard time. So appreciate you guys. Uh, they we're doing either the Doctor Strange Across the Universe run, uh, the House of M run, Thor Thunder in Her Veins, Eternals by Neil Gaiman, Moon Knight, the 2014 run, or all new. Captain America numbers one through six. So yeah, uh, if you guys are interested in any of those, please let us know and we will, we're going to run them over on the Patreon. So yeah. Woo. The, the moon Knight run was called from the dead. That's right. That's right. We'll be back soon with more, uh, with the news and feedback episode and uh peace until next time. True believers.
I've been in the house for almost two weeks. I only left that one time to get the groceries. I'm not much of a prepper, but luckily, just before the crisis hit, I sucked up on TP. It's feeling like a story from the twilight zone. All I ever want is more time, but now I'm trapped at home. These long days feel like a vacay that'll never end. I'm going crazy just to make a trip out again. I never thought I'd say this, but I can't wait to just wear pants again. It's my coronacation, and I'm slowly wasting away the thought. Was intoxicating, but all this free time's got me losing my mind. My girlfriend goes to work every day. She's jealous, thinks that all I do is play. Turns out that I'm not one of the essentials, but there's greener grass on both sides today. Cause you keep afloat financially, while I just try to keep my sanity. Stood at my phone so long my eyes may bleed Watch so many episodes of Tiger King It's asking me, uh, yes please I could do to watch some more I just need the distraction to help me ignore These empty streets, it feels just like the zombies came Too many days like these and I think they could have my it's brains It's And I'm slowly wasting away the thought was intoxicating But all this free time's got me losing my mind It's been driving me to drinking Whoa. But I'm not thinking about leaving No So many people can keep fighting for me I can put up with feeling like a cat in a tree Cause I'm not the hero of the story I'm just some guy in Story. It's my coronacation And I'm slowly wasting away The thought was intoxicating But 